Syria are fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, everyone, to Episode 7 of Curve America. I'm your host, Chris Ross, and I'm joined with my co-hosts, Marco Charla and Tad Burns. Marco and Tad are the founding members of Roma Club DC, the official supporters club of AS Roma in the DC metro area. And I'm just some guy from Jersey who loves everything Italian, particularly Italian soccer. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and please subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. And when you're done listening to the episode, please rate and comment on iTunes. We'll be selecting from our followers, someone at random, who's going to win the grand prize of an in-home Italian lesson and cooking class with our own Marco Charla. Oh, yeah. that sounds like a... Who wants to make the pizza? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to break down each game and its highlights, including our game of the week, which was Roma Sampdoria. But first, guys, what else is going on in the soccer world? Anything of interest for you? I think... The fashion show continues in Italy. I got to watch a, a few more games this week than I normally would. Notice there's some fresh jerseys out there oh, yeah. from these like offbeat, you know, uh, small Italian manufacturers. Um, Udinese had one that looked straight up. I mean, I wore that shirt to the club. Yeah, and it, it was looking fresh for sure. You know, a V-neck with the horizontal gray stripes and the white had a couple of logos on there I'd never seen before. Dacia. Just looking crispy. Speaking of fashion week, what about Pirlo's drop? Dude, Pirlo's shoes are off the hizzy. I might I might wear those to work. For anybody who hasn't seen him, go online right now. He's got the wine flavor mixed in there with the cork insoles. He knows what he's doing. It's on the Curve America Facebook and Twitter, so you can check it out there. But yeah, it's like it's red wine colored because Pirlo outside of being just the most classic man ever. He could pull off an ascot if he wanted to. The man is just the baron of Italy, you know. And uh, he, he owns a vineyard. And, like, one of the most famous things of, of, about Pirlo is, like, every time he wins some cup, which he's won a lot, he was just getting hammered. Um, and so he dropped these ones, these shoes that are uh, red wine colored. And then when you look in, in the sole of them, um, on the inside, it's cork. Yeah, uh, it's that's like a my cork favorite pattern. Part. Yeah, and you know him just in a black suit, looking like he just stepped out of an Armani show, man. I mean, they're just they're just too nice and perfect for me too. Because then, if I when I spill red wine on my shoes, like I always do, um, bleed all just, over just, them. Just straight up fit right in, man. Just straight up fit right in. So Andrea Pirlo, the Baron of Italy, is now taking over New York. He's playing for NYCFC, and is taking over New York Fashion Week as well. I, I still got to holler out, though, that the, the away Sassuolo jerseys are super nice. And uh, the Sampdoria jerseys uh, that that they brought to Stadio Olimpico this past week, man, mm-hmm. those were real crispy, too. Those were nice. Quagliarella looks uh, look at, looking like a monster in it. It's just good, 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 good jerseys. They're very good jerseys. Bella Malaga. Check check out Crotone's, man. If you like Sampdoria's, they... they uh, that red on top? Yep. They look sharp. Cretonis to me kind of looks like a, like a Star Trek uniform. I don't know. Kind of looks like yeah. We don't have to start bashing on their jerseys <laughs> yeah. yet. They they lost this week. They've had a rough one. <laughs> uh, what else we got, guys? After Fashion Week, uh, any international news after the break here? Yeah, uh, I was watching the Italy Israel game uh, in Haifa, 
and it was it was a fun game to watch. You got to see some of the stars at Italy play, um, notably Verratti, who was actually injured during the Euros. He was number ten, and he was definitely controlling the the speed of the play. It was a classic Italy win. It doesn't matter who they play. They go up two nothing. They shell up. Then there's a red card that pops up somewhere. Then the other team scores a chipping shot from outside the 18 to get back in the game. All of a sudden, everything's all scrambled. And then Italy hits them with a counterattack. Uh, Immobile had a very nice run through and a very nice finish. Italy, in the end, I don't think they've lost a qualifier in like three years or something like that. Yeah, a lot of rumblings of Verratti coming back to the Serie A. They say he might come, might come to Juve or somebody of all places. Yeah, that'd be surprising. Yeah, that's what they need. Um but yeah, um, Immobile. I mean, he's he's having a, a, a resurrection. I mean, he's only he's what, like twenty eight, twenty nine. So he's not an old. Uh, he's younger guy. than that. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, you know he, he he steps out of the Italian league for a sec and comes back. He's rocking on the national team, looking real good in league play. Um, and the red card, of course, it's going to be that punk Giorgio Chiellini man to the elephant seal. <laughs> I mean, I I can't think of Chiellini without seeing him pulling his shirt down, trying to show everybody where Luis Suarez Biden <laughs> bit him with tears in his eyes. <laughs> but yeah, Morata uh, actually commented on that that he was really happy he saw that um, Chiellini got the red against Israel because he said that Chiellini told him that when he pl- when they played uh, Spain um, in the next qualifier that uh, he should watch out for his ankles. He's going to go for his ankles and take out. So, I mean, hashtag most Italian thing ever. We have red wine shoes. We have real crispy, nice, small Italian manufacturer uh, uh, soccer jerseys. And we have uh, an Italian defender threatening um, the the uh, threatening to, to take out the, uh, the kneecaps slash ankles. Of a former of, teammate. Of a former teammate. If, if our podcast couldn't get more Italian than that, uh, we're going to wrap up. Any news from Balotelli? The well, former- yeah, Balotelli <laughs> made the news this week. Um, he, he's picked up by Nice and yeah, played his first game against Marseille. Was yep. it? I think, yeah. Yep. Played against Marseille. Mar- Marseille is usually a, a good Ligue team. And, you know, Balotelli scored two convincing goals. Looked nice out there. Um, but for me, man, it's just Balotelli... He has one good game, and they, you know, they come and they ask him about it, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna win the Ballon d'Or," and in two, it might take three years. You know, I had a few years in there where I could have been even more awesome than I am, but you know, I wasn't. So now I'm, you know, it's because I was all my situation and stuff. So he leaves Liverpool, burns every single bridge he possibly can there. Him and his agent thrash every single person that's in. I mean, they were even going after Jamie Carragher. Like, I guess yeah. dude's been retired for like. Yeah, as soon as as soon as you start talking about Balotelli, your new pug starts growling all over the place. <laughs> but yeah, and and then you no know, talking about the balance, like doesn't get to Nice and say he wants to, you know, win titles with the club or win tr- trophies or you know anything about the team. It's just all about him. You know, he wants to he wants to win the Ballon d'Or, and you know he's probably not talking about winning that with Nice. You know, he's probably talking about how you know Mourinho's going to want him. You know, back in the Premier League, uh, you know, go play at Manchester United or something like that. So, you know, Balotelli popping up again. To be honest, though, I know you want it, Marco. I want it so bad. Balotelli, man, saving. He's going to come. Russia, you know, him and Giuseppe Rossi. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe I'm just daydreaming. Well, he's, right. no longer the, he's no longer the young superstar in Italy of the Italians anymore. There's so many good There's young so Italian many, players right. right now that uh, uh, he's going to come in there as the wily veteran. Hopefully he can keep his shirt on this time. But I think the world's just a little bit of a better place when you have ridiculous Mario Balotelli playing well. I'm really sick of the narrative about him being that he's just absolutely crap and doesn't work. It's always, it's always tough to see somebody that talented waste their talent. 
certainly uh, is an inter- entertaining uh, player. So good week, uh, week three for Serie A soccer, and uh, let's jump right into it with the weekly rundown. This week, the Serie A saw the heavens themselves try to slow down the pace of, with uh, biblical-like rain all across Italy, but to no avail. Even with one game being postponed due to the heavy rain, we saw 29 goals and just one tie. Most notably, Iguain, Icardi, and Callejon net braces for their teams. We also saw Toti flexing for the camera, and John Hart, apparently, uh, his Italian blooper reel starts up. That's like, John. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's like Wario Joe Hart. <laughs> and then lastly, we got Milan continuing to drop points at home. So, guys, let's go to the games. We'll start with Napoli 3, Palermo 0. Napoli midfielder Marek Hamsik passes the hand of God, Diego Maradona's all-time club record goal uh, total by scoring his 82nd Napoli goal against no-show Palermo. So to the highlights, we'll skip the entire first half as there's no action for 45 minutes, and we're going to go straight to the headline, Marek Hamsik. Slovakian opens up his scoring in the 47th minute. Napoli is pressing forward on the far left flank, and Gollum crosses the ball into the box. It takes one bounce to the left of the penalty marker, and Hamsik volleys it against the crossbar and in. Gollum? I think it was Schmiegel. <laughs> yeah, I thought that when I was writing that, but uh, yeah. I think it's... I think it's- Gulam, Gulam or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Algerian. I yeah. We can call him Gollum. Gollum is like even I kind of like that, right? My precious. He's kind of a little <laughs> slouched over, too. He's got big eyes. So we got uh, one nothing Napoli. And tolerable defending from the Sicilians, probably distracted distracted by Hamsik's questionable faux hawk haircut. Oh, no. Most noteworthy, Definitely though. Definitely not that. It's, it's not even the most questionable haircut for Napoli this year. Insigne has gone completely Marshall Mothers slash Eminem and is sporting a bleach blonde hairdo. Not so tall, Shady. Yes. He's trying to be like Messi and Neymar. Yeah, Everybody's doing it now. starting to be a trend. You're right. I'm about to do it. <laughs> but a good segue to Insigne, and the real Slim Shady does, in fact, stand up. The blonde bomber is out on the far left flank and sends in another cross. This time it lands on the edge of the near side, six-yard line, about about there. And the Palermo keeper, Posevec, uh, reaches and onto the Napoli, Napoli attacker. Callihan's head nails it. We're up 2-0 for Napoli. This all happens about four minutes after Homsik's goal, and in the, which is in the 51st minute. And it, it does kind of lead to the point that Napoli's exposing a weakness in Palermo's right side of defense. Terrible marking on the second one. I mean, Palermo just didn't even look like they showed up uh, for this one. That's pathetic. They're getting yeah. relegated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Callahan uh, was wide open, heads the ball to the ground, and sneaks under Posevec's arm. We go to the final goal in the 65th minute, and this one's just embarrassing per- for Posevec. Callahan accepts a simple pass. He's just above on the 18-yard line, and he, he one-times a shot. Really low, far left corner, and... Pulsevic, like, has his hands on the ball and just lets it go through. I mean, it, it's, it's embarrassing. It was, that's it was that's one where you even get trashed in, like, a, like a pickup game of soccer for just being, like, <laughs> somebody get that man some gloves or yeah. something. I mean, just, I mean, that's the thing about Callejon, though. He's, this is his second brace already this season. He just, he's an opportunist, man. He's there for the tap-in header. He's, he gets a kind of luck, lucky bounce or, yeah. you know, pop it up from the goalkeeper. But, you know, that's... Quintessential striker mentality, too, yeah. where like there's no chance that he's not going to take. Right. Yeah. Um, so congrats to Napoli. A solid, clear, convincing win. They're now tied for second with Roma in the table, each with seven points. 
And for Palermo, the just bummer, man. Just two weeks ago, they shock Inter and they pull out a tie up in Milan, an away game, and they're heading into the international break. They do hire a new coach, Deserbi, and he has to watch this game up in the stands because I, I, I didn't find it in the research, but he had some infraction with his last team, third tier Folja. <laughs> and uh, so he, he's up they in Syria. Find, they couldn't find a clean one out there. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, he's got no Syria experience, but Palermo, keep in mind from last season, this is a team that went through, at the minimum, nine coaching changes last season. And we're two games into this season, and. We're are, already looking for new coaches. Are there, are there any, like, natural death causes in through there? Was somebody I, whacked? I mean, yeah. I, 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 how do you go through nine? It, it's pretty ridiculous. One, the, guy goes in the, one guy goes in the witness protection program. Well, I it's mean, like at this point, like, they're, you know, they're, they're losing so much and, like, they're, they're not doing well. And, like, who really wants to take that chance? And so they're, like, pulling players, you know, they're pulling coaches out of jail and stuff so that they can coach them. Yeah. Probably coaching with a walkie-talkie out the stands. They're like, hey, man, throw this pink shirt on. <laughs> nah, bro. Nah. <laughs> Only positive news for the Sicilians, they have a new owner. Uh, and it's an American, which is pretty cool. Uh, hmm. His name's Frank Cascio. Frank, for the sake of all of us with Sicilian roots, including myself, please write this ship. Um, both teams during the game playing a 4-3-3, but the stats were all Napoli. They, they won the possession battle 60-40. Shots were 70 to 5. Uh, they, they just dominated the game, and, and you know, that was really it. Zamparini, after the game, tried to blame just the absolute drubbing that they took on the international break. And it's like, what? 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 Yeah. Does that have to do with it? must be tired. They, yeah. The season they just thought, started. They thought they were getting some momentum when they got the tie against Inter, but realistically, Inter was not looking good at that point. They looked a lot better this week, but Napoli, I think, is picking up head of steam now. And, I mean, they had. Gabbiadini coming off the bench, Drace Mertens coming off the bench. I mean, obviously, they, they were saving themselves a little bit for this week uh, for Champions League. But, you know, I think that Napoli is going to be really good this season. And maybe Insigne is playing with a little more confidence now that he's got the the yeah. the sunshine dome piece. Well, I also think that he realized that he's got he's to keep playing more consistently and at least show a strong effort if he wants to stay on the side. You know, and the that, national team. Yeah, I mean, he wants to play for the national team, but also I think that when, uh, you know, Merton's obviously had a excellent first two games, yeah. but, you know, the the uh, the Napoli uh, uh, coaching side basically said that, you know, Insigne is not guaranteed a starting spot, so he's going to have to work for it. And so Insigne had a great game, you know, funky haircut. Um, but, I, you know, I mean, the whole thing about Palermo, you know, you, you would think they could be able to take advantage of a tired Napoli team since they all played in the international break but again not a very good team awful showing on defense up next Juventus Sassuolo Juve 3 Sassuolo 1 Juve gets serious and plays their summer signings and projected strongest lineup Tad take it away I think for this game you immediately have to cue the Dr. Dre music Ain't nothing but a G-thang, baby. Kiatone in Torino going crazy. And Yelly is the family that pays me. Unfeedable. This game was all about ain't nothing but a G-thang. Gonzalo Higuain comes in, just completely takes over from the beginning. And Juve show you what 130 million euros looks like um, in the first half alone. Um, the first score for Juve in this game just basically lays out why 
this is unfair for Juventus you know, in, in the league this year. You know, Bonucci basically runs a fast break like an NBA point guard, lays off a beautiful pass on Iguain on the right-hand side. He takes one touch and absolutely knocks a perfect low strike at a low angle right past the goalkeeper in the fourth minute. It's just why the league is unfair. Immediately, Iguain's first start in the lineup that's supposed to be Juventus' strong lineup, their Champions League lineup, has a goal in four minutes against Sassuolo, who granted her without their biggest stars this game are still no pushovers. Um, and then, not to be outdone, six minutes later, Juve's pressing. They're about to, uh, you know, they're looking for the, that second goal. And Kadera, who again had another awesome game, heads a volley in front of the goal. And three Sassuolo defenders look on in astonishment, basically, as Iguain blasts one out of the sky in the back of the net in the 10th minute. Fat boy in Torino going crazy. You got to notice right away all the stuff about, oh, he's, he's overweight, he's fat. No, he's here for real, and he scored two can goals. I just say, can I just say that Iguain's haircut this week was looking fresh? And I also want to say that Davis, hair this week? Davis, when he came on to Juve, he was looking like a like a street rat. And then he came to Juve, and all of a sudden he started looking all fresh Maybe Higuain's getting a little bit of that Tevis effect. Well, I'm, I'm running with the Kiatone thing, man. He's fat boy G for me from now on, man. <laughs> so we talk about I'm going to dap him up next time I see him call him fat boy G. He can put out a rap album as far as I'm concerned. So Italy, you know, uh, Juve's up 2-0 in the game. Um, and Kadira, again, creates the next chance. He lobs one down the right side as Dybala's streaking down, has one man to beat, tries to cut it back inside in the box in front of the face of the goal. And instead of, you know, seeing what he can do with the ball, opts to take the dive, you know, flops around in his stomach for a little while, ball pops back out and gets lobbed back in the middle. And Mirlim Pjanic, the other new big sign for Juventus, heads it off the crossbar and rebounds right in front of goal, right in front of Dybala, who's looking for that poacher goal. Um, and obviously, Pjanic celebrates his first Juve goal while Dybala plays a typical striker and doesn't seem very excited that he wanted that third 3-0 goal himself so he can keep pace with his with his partner striker. But in the first half already, in the first 27 minutes, $130 million or euros spent by Juventus has chalked up three points. Five minutes later, though, um, Luca Anteo Sassuolo scores on basically a breakdown of the defense. Um, it was a corner kick. Ball gets whipped in um, between the Juventus defenders who don't really seem to know who's marking um, Signore Luca. And he comes forward and he's the ball in the goal in front of Juventus. He doesn't seem to have any ambition to, to clear the, 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 the score. From that point on out, um, Juventus had about a million opportunities to knock in goals four, five, six, and seven. Some unluckiness going off crossbars, some great saves um, by uh, uh, Sassuolo, and some you know, tightening of sphincters. I mean, in this game, I don't know, there really wasn't a Juventus player that that played bad. Um, yeah, you know, they, they had a momentary lapse of judgment when they gave up a goal, which might end up being Juventus' Achilles' heel. Now, granted, they played a Sassuolo team who didn't play Berardi or De Frel, um, but... That being said, everyone in Juventus looked very impressive, and Iguain and Pjanic looked particularly impressive. Pjanic had a, 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 a almost a surefire second goal saved um, towards the end of the game. But you know, even going, you know, even even in the recap of this this game, you know, it, Juventus had every reason to be uh, uh, you know celebratory. They played their first team. Their big new signings get goals, and uh, Allegri 
just wasn't having anything of it. It shows that shows that championship mentality where in the post game uh, uh, news conference he doesn't really highlight the positives. He just kind of acknowledges that yeah we played well. Um, you know we, we we dominated possession. We had a lot of great shots, but instead chose to focus on that they gave they allowed nine shots. All the things they needed to do better. I think with him at the helm and this team. With loaded as talent they are, I, I just I just don't see. I mean, they go undefeated this year. Well, here's the thing. They have their toughest uh, Champions League game of their group coming up against Sevilla this week, in in on Wednesday, so that's in two days, and they're putting out their starting lineup. Everybody rests their best players ahead of Champions League, and it's not like they're playing. The next, you know, like the second place team, they're playing Sassuolo without Berardi and without Defrel. I know Sassuolo's, you know, really hot right now, but they put out their their starting lineup. They spanked them, you know. I think that Licksteiner saved a, a goal off the line. Mm-hmm. Maybe right now their defense is 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 a little bit off, uh, and Kellini's form right now is a little bit off. But I mean, here is a team that is saying we have the depth to play Champions League against the strongest opponent in our group this week, and we're going to put out our starters and risk whatever you want to call it and going out and getting the job done, Juventus. Yeah. I mean, their second team could probably finish in the Champions League in, in Italy this year. It's going to be interesting. Definitely looking forward to that that midweek game. Yeah. But Sassuolo is an up-and-comer, right? I mean, I was honestly hopeful for this game that it was going to be a challenge for Juve, that Sassuolo is going to be good this year. Yeah, I think that Sassuolo's, you know, as long as they can stay healthy, yeah, is, has a lot to look forward to. Um, they can score. They're a tough team. Um, you know, they're, they're now starting to get battle-tested in Europe. Um, but I think that Juventus, I mean, they haven't played a crap team yet, and they've cut through all the teams they've played like a hot knife through butter. Um, you know, I, I think that it's really going to be telling when they play um, Napoli and Roma to see if they can continue to just totally dominate. Up next, Piscara, one, Inter, two. Icardi leaves it late. Piscara showing again. They are no pushovers in Serie A. And De Boer gets his first win this season. Marco? Inter is finally starting to shape up and pick up the form that they want to get into. I know it's one game after the Palermo loss, and I was listening to the announcer before this game talk about how De Boer was saying, give me four months and the announcer was mentioning that, you know, depending on the result against Piscata today, he might be looking four weeks, if that, you know. <laughs> because, I mean, let's face it, you know, we just said it. Palermo has been through nine coaches and how long. I mean, Inter is it's cutthroat, and they have the players. I was looking at their, their lineup. I mean, look at the players that came in this game. Palacio, Eder, and Jovetic. These are three big really names. good players yeah. that are coming in off the bench. I mean, they're stacked. Uh, so basically, the game was 0-0 at half, and Pescara coming out again. I mean, they are a good team. They are brand new, but they're they're showing that they can. They're not push. They're no pushovers. They can really hang tight with the rest of the league. A lot of home support behind them too in the stadium. Oh yeah, great atmosphere. So Bahebek actually starts off the scoring uh, off a nice cross in. He one touch finish. He came in in the second half, and. It was beautiful finish, 63rd minute. They're up one nothing. You're thinking, uh oh, Frank DeBoer's hair. It's already thin. You know that thing's <laughs> falling out. It's like, he's, he's checking the JetBlue flights back to Holland. That's right. <laughs> but look, I mean, 
Inter was great this game. They had 63% of the possession. They had 22 shots to 10, and they were they were piling on the pressure. Uh, you know, the whole game, Candreva was dropping dimes from the wing. Uh, I really like the way Banega was playing, controlling that midfield. I think he's going to be the focal point this season. And Icardi, he's back. 77th minute, beautiful diving header off Banega's cross. I mean, this thing was That's, a... That was about as pretty as, as, as Italian soccer gets right there. Very beautiful finish. He was a diving He was diving through the air, and he, he steered the header to the back post. That's what we want to see out of the guy. And so, again, they're going... They're, they're doing some short pass possession type, rely heavily on the outsides uh, services. Uh, they're playing well. But then you also have the goalkeeper from Pescara making tons of saves. Like he had five great saves, uh, Bizzani. And, you know, again, also there's some pretty good saves from Handanovic because Pescara. This guy, Verre up top, he had like two or three real chances. Yeah, he brought his A game. To, you know, either get Piscata out of reach or get him back in the game. You saw a couple times that he, he, he puts the ball on goal and is running away like he's about ready to slide on his knees and looks back. Can't believe the <laughs> save that's been made. Andanovic made an amazing save off of Verre uh, towards the end of the game. And so just when you think it's going 1 1, Inted, you know, back to back ties against kind of teams they should be beating. Out comes the poacher Icardi, and he scores a striker's finish. There was like a deflection cross, and it came down. Gyomber, the guy on loan from Roma, kind of misjudges the header. It kind of looked like Icardi also took it down with his hand. Yeah, he got an assist from his forearm. But then he takes it down like, like a good striker does, finishes it. It's the 91st minute. And you look at Coach Massimo Aldo, ex-Milan player on the bench, and if you can understand Italian... Man, they should have just been bleeping his his lip, his whatever his lips were saying, because you could basically <laughs> see exactly what was going on through his mind. Yeah, I think uh, I think we know his feelings about uh, a lot of people's mothers at this point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So two goals from Icardi, and I'm looking for Icardi to be top of the goal scorer chart again. I think Banega is going to be one of the more important midfielders in the game for Serie A, and I also really like Gel Mario. Yeah, they've really strengthened the midfield in the, in the signings. Um, Benega, Jomaro, and Kendreva, you got to think that Icardi's waking up being the happiest dude ever. You know, he's got three guys that can, you know, play a ball in the box anywhere. And particularly this, this style that, you know, Icardi likes to play, he's going to have the occasional drive from some distance, but mostly he likes to have the services coming in. He likes to knock it in with his head. Um, he's really good at you know kind of feeling where he's running instead of actually knowing where he's running. Um, you know, as long as they can keep it up in the back, the, you know, this is a really exciting one-zero game in my opinion. And Frank DeBoer does pick up the just finally pick up his first win. Pescar really acquitted themselves well, um, but this uh, this this inter team could turn out to be very exciting. Definitely. Next up, Roma three, Sampdoria two. Totti is still the god of Italian soccer, saving Roma's bacon in injury time with a penalty kick in front of Roma's curva suit. Chris, can we keep up with our hilarious um, use of Italian by saying saving Rome's pancetta? Or pancetta? Gu- or guanciale, if you want to be very Roman. I like it. I like it. I didn't even know the second one. It's the cheek of the pig. <laughs> it's the good stuff. Let's, uh, let's jump right into it. Start at the beginning of the game. Standard BN freakout for all of us American fans here in Ameri- uh, for, of Serie A. It's 9 a.m. game time, right? 
901, still watching motorcycles. And then 905 comes. Oh my God, did, did Bian black out the game? Someone check their phones, check their phones. I'm just waiting, I'm waiting for the Real Madrid replay to go on from like four weeks ago. Or, or maybe Ronaldo like took a shower and we need to have a, a yeah, press conference he, about he, that. We have to discuss um, his, his latest uh, fingernail trimming experience. Bian, just total trash, total trash. We seriously had to sit and watch the, the, the motocross guys or whatever, motorcycle guys, celebrate on the podium even even they were bored with it they're like can the roma game come on man yeah. seriously i mean i think the moto gt is cool but i mean the programming i don't know man it just just needs to have the transition at least have the game up in the corner if they're like giving the trophies you know what i mean to have something. something is this is this where we're gonna go full bore on on uh on uh, more more on them later. okay okay because uh, uh fortunately for for both roma and sampdoria fans there's no Ronaldo distraction. There's no motocross description. Because I have come here to do two things, and that is chew bubblegum and talk trash about BN. Yeah. And I'm all out of bubblegum. We, we do need to say it because it's something we go through too frequently. But to the game. Uh, we go to the eighth minute, and Roma's Diego Perotti is out on the near left flank with space and crosses the ball to the far post to a streaking Mohamed Salah who heads it nicely into the corner. Just a well-executed goal by Salah, really professional goal. But then Sampdoria responds, and responds pretty quickly. Ten minutes later, Vasco Regini chips the ball from just past midfield into the box on the near right side of the field to a streaking Muriel. Muriel from just outside the six, uh, one-times the ball and volleys it to the far left corner. Colombian really nailed the shot. Definitely worth watching it. The the highlights on YouTube, just a really solid goal. This when, guy. When, yeah. This guy. I mean, he is one of those players that will make you tear your head out, head out, tear your hair off your head, or tear your head all off, everything off, guts included. He is just like fast. He's fast. He's got a great eye for goal, but then he just like disappears out of nowhere. And then he falls out of favor. And it's been like this now for the past couple years. Uh, Muriel, early on in the season, showing that he does have the talent. And he even got called up for the Colombian qualifiers uh, couple, you know, last week. last week. And if the soccer thing doesn't work out for him, he can always just find that he can be pushed in a stroller with a bonnet on him because he looks like a baby. Yeah, he <laughs> it does looks like, It looks like face. Carlos Par- Carlos Baca's... You know, like 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 Carlos Baca's baby pictures. They're like, oh my, is that Carlos Baca when he's a baby? No, that's Luis Muriel. Oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> Anywho, yeah. Af- after that goal uh, by Muriel, uh, Sampdoria is just really knocking. He-, he he gets another great shot off Roma's Walter. He thinks my tractor Chesney, as Tad has put that in past podcasts. Um, but the Whoa. goalkeeper pushes it wide. And so our budding country music star slash goalkeeper seems to be getting rattled here because in the 41st minute, Sampdoria's got a corner at the near right side and Alvarez sends it to the far post well within the six-yard line and Chesney starts to go up for it and then changes his mind and is left in no man's land for Qualiorella to just tap it in for an easy 2-1 lead for Sampdoria. I mean, bad on his part, bad on Juan Jesus' part. Juan Jesus, how are you going to let... Quayarela get on the inside of you, inside the six. Like, let's go, man. Yeah. I mean, at this point, though, I mean, Kenny Chesney, he's about <laughs> as he's about as awkward as a baby boomer on Facebook, man. I mean, like, he has no idea what he's doing. Yeah. Just at- tormenting his, his children on Facebook. 
as 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 a former keeper and you know it's a tough position i get it you know everything feels like your fault but i mean the golden rule if it's in the six it's your ball like yes. you have to go get it and and for him to just get caught like that you know another embarrassing moment for a keeper in Serie A in week 3 i there's felt very close to arsenal fans out there there's moment. a word out, there's a word out there for that trash <laughs> <laughs> and sampdoria takes the lead into the half and that's when armageddon begins just hurricane-type rain starts falling in Italy, closes out the half, and, and causes the officials in Rome to suspend play for about an hour. And we're going to talk later that it ended up postponing another game. Cats uh, and dogs living together, mass hysteria, <laughs> torrential downpour. <laughs> like it. Um, so now we're, we're in a rain delay, basically, for an hour, and we're going to talk about be-in again. Because obviously this sets off programming problems, since this delay wasn't, wasn't planned. And so the second half begins in the Roma game, which we're all grateful for, ready to watch our team play. And what happens, guys? Well, first of all, while the, the first half was still going on and they were showing um, you know, the weather conditions and other stadiums in Italy, the production was they would show like an empty tunnel where a team just left as the featured picture, and then off to the side in the smaller, tiny window was actually a live game, and it would stay like that for like 45 seconds to a minute. It's like, how? who are these jabronis, these clown shoes in the BN offices um, that are out there to be like, yeah, okay, uh, uh, the live soccer is what we're going to have hidden. And then when the game comes back after this delay, everyone's sitting around waiting for this thing to go back on, few beers deeper, Really in, in, in anguish behind this two-to-one hole we've dug ourselves into. Bian does the most Bian thing ever. They show a 90-30 and 30 replay <laughs> of Barcelona. Of course, Barcelona. I'm, you know... can I mean, can we just... Like, yeah, why? Why are they showing the 90-30? and 30? I mean, first of all, the, they show the Barca games throughout the entire week. Right. Right? It's not the full match. not the full replay is there really something is there something out there that prevents them from extending the Roma game and yeah we're biased we're Roma fans but realistically it's live soccer we anybody who anybody who sat through that game waiting all the way should be rewarded yep. being trash too the only commercials they show are of other things they're doing on BN like I'm trying to figure out what the hottest cell phone plan is out there and they're just trying to tell me when the next <laughs> Moto GT is going to happen so fortunately, uh, the second half does start not on BN, as, as we've clarified thoroughly here. But uh, to the game itself, we got Edin Dzeko on for El Shirawi for Roma, and the god himself, Francesco Totti, comes on for Perotti. In the 61st minute, Totti's half begins. He chips the ball to Dzeko, to, to Dzeko and it, it takes about two touches and almost manages to screw it up, uh, but, but taps in the tie for uh, 2-2. Jekko can be as bad as he wants to be, but do not blaspheme a Toti cross like that. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But but Jekko, like, really just... Yeah, he, he's got Chuck Knobloch syndrome. It's like he's scared to shoot the ball for easy goals, just like Knobloch a, a bunch of years ago. He just couldn't throw the ball from second to first. For all of you guys that don't get a 20-year-old baseball reference, Chuck Knobloch was the second baseman for the Yankees. I thought we were talking about like a shot putter in the Olympics. <laughs> you're, you're a one-sport fan. It, it's, it's very clear. <laughs> Knobloch is going to be the name on the back of Chris Ross's Crotone jersey. jersey. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
but no, just the point being, just it's an easy shot, and and he's he's just thinking too much. It just seems to be that way. So hoping he gets over that. But he does score, and and that starts Roma starting to think about three points here in this game. They do get some more chances in, in the rest of the uh, uh, regular time, but we get to extra time, and Checo's involved again. Admittedly, he's in the box and. He makes a move and goes down, but a question for the group, um, admittedly all Roma fans, but foul or no foul for you guys? Team Jekko, 2016-17 foul. Look, this was the game for Jekko to come on. I know I'm not necessarily answering that question, but it was the type of game that was calling for Jekko to come on. I mean, he, you need a big player. It's wet. It's sloppy. By the way, I want to throw a quick shout-out to the Roma stadium crew. Because I don't even know how that game, how that field got drained. Seriously, it's like they panned to like a game from last year. Because literally during halftime, there was like two inches of water with hail, and in Italy, which is historically known for having the fields torn up, like just think about the Milan games that like you have patches in the, you know, like the biggest teams. Anyways, I switched. I switched to Rye. Right when uh, a few minutes after it started raining, and I saw animals two by two being herded into a giant ark. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, this was the game for Jekyll. Was it a foul in the box? I think he got clipped on the on the you know on the shin. He went down like a sack of potatoes. And for a yeah. big man like that, honestly, if I was the ref, I would have called the PK and then given him a yellow card. Yeah, uh, questionable call, but it is what it is. He went down. He sold it, and. Um, Roma gets a penalty shot. And who else is going to step up? Who's going to take it? Who's Yeah, who's going to take that? The guy who's more jacked than I am at 40 <laughs> at years age 40. old. Yeah, I right. need to work out. So uh, God himself steps up, Francesco Totti, and steps up and finishes it to the near right corner, immediately sprints to Curvasud, which I thought was the coolest thing ever. Um, so I thought it was interesting. Afterwards, uh, Toti did comment. He said he was nervous when he took the penalty, uh, but Curvasud got him through the moment, uh, which, again, just makes it so cool. He ran over to them right afterwards. I really like that. He says he's feeling good despite turning 40 this month and doesn't feel like he needs to stop. And Why stop now? He, he's still contributing. And just end, end of the, the commentary, just Toti, the god of Italian soccer. Yeah, I mean, I think he's... It's interesting. He's showing that minute for minute, he's still the most impactful player in the in the Serie A. I mean, he, he comes on and the game just changes. I mean, Roma was out of that game. They look like trash. Yeah, you can say that. Um, you know, bringing Jekko on to uh, have a big, strong guy with his back to goal and be able to distribute passes, trying to get a little bit more creative, contributed. But it the whole just culture of the game changed. You know the. Uh, Sampdoria side when Toti came on I mean there is this belief that he can win the game himself something about yes his his passes his one-time passes are just ridiculous like it looks like you know he's on the training pitch every time but it's also like Tad is saying it's 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 about the mentality of the team when he's out there I mean it's like his it's like his armband is like the captain planet ring you know like all of a sudden it comes out and everybody's all boosted up. It's great, man. Jekko can't even screw it up when he uh, when he comes on. <laughs> Team Jekko. Uh, another interesting part on Toti. Uh, uh, he had an article in uh, an American, I guess it's a magazine or website, Players Tribune, uh, basically talking about how he came up as a Romanista and some just classic Italian moments in there. Um, number one being his mom turned down AC Milan when he was a teenager. 
it's too hard, too far from home. And anyone with an Italian mother, Marco and myself, uh, maybe Tad, I'm not sure, but no, uh, okay, uh, not if, that I know. <laughs> if, if you have an Italian mom, that makes a lot of sense to you. I have a great idea, guys. Why don't we just end the rest of this? Let's just turn on a crackling fire on my television and sit Indian style and just tell our favorite Francesco Toby stories. <laughs> Too um, many. Yeah, really. Last one, just about the article I'll say, is, is, is he's a throwback to a bygone era for just his loyalty to the city. He, he does mention he could have gone for bigger money in, in other clubs, and just he, he truly feels like he belongs in Curvasud out there, which is it's just fun to root for, and, and you feel like you're part of the team because Toti feels like he's part of the crowd. So somebody for me who fell in love with Rome when I moved there before I fell in love with soccer. And the reason why I fell in love with Roma is because I was so in love with the city. I wanted to kind of be more in tune with it. If, if that isn't the cheesiest and FOMO romantic thing I've ever said in my life. But what I liked about it is he's you know revered as this icon. And he was kind of saying that like, no, I'm not the icon. Like the city is the icon. The club is the icon. And I just happen to be successful for the team. It's just so classic. It's like Balotelli. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. Tad from Curve America here. <laughs> this week's episode of Curve America is brought to you by Ireland's Four Courts. Ireland's Four Courts is one of the leading soccer pubs in the Washington, D.C. metro area. Located near the Courthouse Metro Stop, Ireland's Four Courts has been opening up as early as 6 a.m. for soccer fanatics in the Washington, D.C. metro area for almost 20 years. I 6 a.m.? 6 a.m. 6 a.m. The low low. Yeah, they, sh- they show games on demand, if you ask. Uh, they have a crazy Saturday and Sunday brunch, 12 euros for Curvy to see members, and then a bunch more for all you other suckers. Thanks to Dave and all the boys and girls at Ireland's Four Courts. Also, just a reminder, please follow us on Twitter and Facebook, Curve America. When you're done with this episode, run. Don't walk to the nearest computer and rate us on iTunes, make a comment, even if it's just to talk about how awful my hair is that you can't see. Um, please, that's how we get found. Very much appreciate it. Again, Italian lessons and cooking class in home from Marco is at stake. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Up next, Antalanta 2, Torino 1. Adelana slows down the Raging Bull from Turin, which now has John or Joe Hart in goal. Marco? That's right. At the beginning of the game, the team sheet said John. Some Italian guys saying John, Joe. What's the difference? I don't know. Probably some Giuseppe. You know, here's the international goalkeeper from England coming to Torino. And, uh, the first, first international game. goalkeeper. Sorry, first English goalkeeper to ever play in the Serie A. Unbelievable. So the game is 0-0 at half. And... It's the type of game that you're starting to expect out of Torino and Atalanta. Atalanta creating tons of chances, 22 shots throughout the entire game. I mean, Atalanta is going to be a team this year that is going to do some damage. I I am honestly predicting between these two teams that one of them gets into Europe. Torino was steamrolling through the beginning of the season. Bellotti was injured for this game, and so they were uh, a little bit on their heels, but you know they still have the quality on the field. In the 53rd minute, Iago Falke, who came over from Roma in the transfer window, scored a beautiful free kick. Now, granted, it wasn't perfectly upper 90. It had the pace. It got over the wall. Goalie saw it last minute, and it went in. And anytime you score a free kick, it's going to be a nice goal. 
Then in the 55th minute, Italian lesson for Joe. I know he's starting to learn his uh, Italian. I think Miatovic was talking about he's learned 30, 40, 50 words in Italian already. He's gelling with the team. Well, here's a word for you, Joe. Papera. The, the second goal in the game was a cross coming across and Joe just getting a hand on it in the six-yard box. Looks like these past EPL keepers don't know how to handle the ball coming into this into the six-yard box. They're Easy only, tapping goal for Atalanta. There are only four words in Italian. Ciao, grazie, pizza, pasta. You Sounds just, about right. You just jumble them up. They mean it are things like pizza, ciao, grazie, pasta is how he would say, hey, my name is Joe, not John. <laughs> And then who scores the the two one go ahead goal for the win? My man Frank Kessie, my man, nineteen year old. This guy, some people are saying, is going to be the next Yagaturi. I think that's a little bit premature, but he keeps scoring goals. I think this is his fourth one of the season. He's an opportunistic goal scorer, kind of like Callejon. He's been tapping him in, but he's always in the right place, and he's super young and composed. Player for the future. Again, Atalanta's creating chances all game. Even though Torino had a little bit, slightly more possession, you got a team in Atalanta that loves to shoot, loves to create small chances on their own. I love Gomez up top. He's a small player, quick, number 10. He creates chances all the time. Uh, I really think that Atalanta is going to do some damage this year. It's, it's, oh, it's also fun to just say Alejandro. Alejandro Gomez. But, yeah, I mean, it's crazy that both these teams only have three points through the first three weeks of the season. And, you know, both of them, even though only having three points, are kind of living up to expectation. I mean, Torino thrashed last week, five to one. Um, And they come back and they get bounced two to one. It's it's super exciting um, through the first three weeks of the Italian Serie A season that we're not seeing a timid aging league that's trying to park the bus and play you know one zero victories or zero zero draws or you know one one draws we're seeing young dynamic teams come you know and 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 a lot of goals being scored and and a lot of teams playing for the win yeah you can see this plays into the you know the english papers and stuff how joe hart has gone to a minnows team but you know really this isn't the story torino is a good team this year and yes they lost and that's going to get played up in the papers but it's going to be fun for for torino to to do something this year and without a baka hat trick they have you know they they could have 6 points so far this season and then you look at the team again torino i, I can't say enough about their depth this season i mean on the bench a team like torino usually doesn't have they might have one guy coming off the I mean they have Aqua, they have Vives, uh, Joel Obi played on Inter. I mean, they have Emiliano Moretti, he's, the, he's a defender, but he's got tons of experience. And they had Belotti out, they had Jaic out. I mean, here's a team that right now they're coming out and they got experience, they got good players, they were just able to get Joe Hart, who I think is a very good keeper. And I think he's going to be able to lift the team uh, in moments where, you know, the games are tight. So, Look for Torino and Atalanta to, to move forward. Again, I think Atalanta's very exciting, and the atmosphere at the stadium is always really fun to watch. And like you said, wait for it to start get cold there, and they can start using the elements to their advantage, have more of a, a home field advantage. Frank Cassie, though, rock that jersey, man. That's a nice one. It's fresh. Maybe get some wine-colored boots with them, too. Up next, Kiev Verona and the other team from Rome. 
This one ended in a 1-1 draw. Both teams convert from set pieces within five minutes of each other to claim one point in a game delayed by rain. Tad? This game had a lot of, you know, for a one for the only draw in the Serie A this week was super exciting and super interesting. It was beautiful, poetic, technical, um, Italian soccer at its finest. Um, and from the get-go, it seemed that both teams were going to rely on the long ball from set pieces, um, you know, working very hard and fighting and being scrappy to get in position to score. But in the first half, there was not a lot going on. Again, kind of a sparring match. Um, Walter Biersa, uh, who is, I, you know, in my opinion, Chievo's best player, was basically just probing the other team from Rome's defense. Um, with uh, you know, with with balls whipped in, with with crosses, with passes, with through balls, and Ichiro uh, Mobile and uh, Felipe Anderson for uh, the other team from Rome were doing the same. But right after half, uh, you know, they they, they go to halftime zero zero, and right after half, that's when the scoring starts happening. Um, the home team opened up um, from a short corner. They passed it to uh, uh, Birsa who whips it in the ball into the box uh, for Alessandro Gambarini to head a goal in for the home side at, at 51 minutes. Basically dropped it right on him. No way that the other team from Rome's goalie is going to be able to do anything. And we have a 1-0 home lead. Um, the lead was short-lived, though. The other team from Rome was awarded a free kick from about 40 yards out. The ball is played beautifully, this high-arcing trajectory that's headed in uh, by halftime sub, Bal- uh, sorry, Baldechieta. Uh, heads into the box and it's cleaned up by Dutch international Stefan De Marco. Let's say free. Let's say let's make that an F. V R I J free. We need, we need Gomat to come on free. here. Our, our our token Dutchman to be able to pronounce that guy's free. 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 We're going that. We're we are a Pulitzer Prize winning Italian sports journalists <laughs> over here. We can we can really rattle it off uh, uh, over here. Get get your own Italian podcast. Um. But yeah, uh, uh, from that point on, again, it was just it, it, it was set piece scoring. Um, another uh, Stefan from the other team from Rome um, almost made it a glorious afternoon by narrowly missing a header from a set piece in the 85th minute. And then uh, Bosjan Cesar was subbed on for Kiyomo. Sorry for Kiyomo. Yeah, the, the, the traditional Japanese garb. We're going to go Kiev of Verona, though. <laughs> almost headed on, headed home a winner in the 88th minute. The thing to take away from this game is you have two teams in Italy, Chievo, which has been somewhat surprising so far this year. I would not have picked them to be as scrappy and as as successful as they've been so far. Was pretty evenly matched with the other team from Rome. Um, neither team looked to play for a draw. They played very technical, very clinically. They didn't play erratically. Um, they did... You know, they did the best to make the most of their chances every time they lined up. I mean, Kievo only had two corner kicks, and one ended up in a goal, and the other one ended up very nearly a goal. And luck played a lot of factor in one of these teams not really coming away with three points. Um, Birsa continues to play very well for Kievo. He had a lot of balls that could have been easily converted, or with a little luck could have been converted. Um, Lucas Castro, um, the midfielder for Kievo, is really kind of asserting himself as one of the of the tough um, midfielders in in Italy. It's going to be really interesting when he, you know, comes up against Roma. How he's going to match up against Nangolan, Strutman, and De Rossi, who are three of the you know the meanest and most aggressive midfielders in all of Italy. 
But one thing to really look forward to um, with this uh, other team from Rome is the addition of Chiro Immobile to go with the skill and quality of Felipe Anderson. This is a strike force that I think you know could really take advantage um, if they're on fire and maybe you know be one of the teams that I know they've already lost to uh, uh, Juventus, but could knock points away from in the second half of the season. Chiro Immobile, who's fresh off a sensational goal um, on a pass from the uh, Sandro Florenzi, who plays from the plays for the better team from Rome in the international break, um, you know, looks pretty eager to get back to the form that he had with Torino. So yeah, uh, a one-one draw, but again, a very excellent played game. Um, a lot of exciting chances were created. Yeah, just quick quick word on on Kievo. You know, since we you know we mentioned uh, you mentioned a second ago how here are two teams uh, that you know are really kind of scrumming and. Kievo Verona is really kind of a surprise. They've been coming out very strong at the beginning of the season. But then I look at their starting lineup, and these guys, these are seasoned veterans, Serie A veterans, uh, all up and down. And they know the system. They know how to get the, they know how to scrounge. They know how to be a maybe middle to bottom of the table type team that in the end of, end of the day usually survives. So, you know, Moving forward, I expect the other team from Rome to be dangerous this season and Kievo to be just about middle of the pack. Up next, Udinese, 1. Milan, 0. Marco shaking his head. The little zebras from northeast Italy shock the northwest powerhouse of Milan. Marco, what do you got? That's right, shaking my head. Why? Because... What was the score? It's just not good enough. (laughs) I mean, here's Milan is a team that you were expecting to kind of carry the banner for Serie A uh, in Europe. We'll see if they even get to Europe by the end of the season. The way they look right now, you know, I don't know. It's just it's it's just sad to watch. Um, they start the game out with Paletta, who is the center back, shooting from 40 yards out. Rocket, yeah, it was a good shot. Paletta looking like, you know, what Conte, Antonio Conte would look like before his hair treatment. But... He's 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 taking a shot from 40 out. You're thinking, why is he shooting out from there? I mean, they're looking for anything to get the energy up, you know. And yeah, Milan keeps possession. They have a possession t- style game right now. They have 64 percent of the possession, but that doesn't really convert to dominance in, in any way. I mean, they leave it to the very end to try to like score. Antonelli got injured. Uh, he got, you know, he really yeah, hurt knocked himself. The heck out. Yeah, he really hurt himself, and I hope that he comes back quick because he's also an inter- international player. Uh, and in the 87th minute, Perica from Udinese scores a freaking fluke goal, taking a volley off of Abate, changing. Com- completely changing the direction of the ball and it going in. I know Montella at the end of the game was saying we were unlucky, but realistically, if you're Milan and you're playing against Udinese, who doesn't even have Di Natale this year, you got to put these teams away. You got to do better. I mean, Montolivo, man, I'm, what happened to him? I mean, he's just I mean, giving I, the ball away. He's just And Baca, you know, he's just isolated. He, yeah, he scores goals, but you can't just isolate Baca. Like, he needs service. So, I don't yeah, know. I mean, if you if you look at the atmosphere of this game, too, there were so many empty seats. Um, Montolivo is, I think, probably the most hated man in the Milan fan base right now. Um, they have no answer as a, for a backup for him to come in to maybe 
you know, give him, give him a breather, you know, get his mind right. But yeah, this Milan team is 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 searching for answers. And you know, Udinese, who believe it or not, all the trash we've talked about them um, so far this year has six points. Is in you know, is in third place, albeit with several other teams in the Serie A. But they look like uh, they also are going to be able look like they're going to be playing to take points away from people if you're not bringing your A game. That's right. Up next, Bologna continue their onslaught of shots as they beat Cagliari 2-1 in a barn burner. Tad, take it away. Yeah, this is a firestorm. A lot of uh, shots being placed on goal by Bologna. Cagliari playing that tough, scrappy uh, uh, style of play, the, 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 the ferocious style of play that we've come to see them play so far this year. And it didn't really take long for the action to start. Um, Simone Verde used to play for Milan, um, opens up the scoring with a free kick in the 23rd minute, and you really got to be excited for Bologna if this guy gets going because he has a, it can definitely be an impact player for them. Um, on a free kick, dead away from goal, um, everyone lines up and he hits a low laser um, from about 35 yards out um, that gets blocked by so the goalkeeper can't see because it's blocked by the wall. Sneaks in, he doesn't see it's even coming until it's you know too late uh, for anything to happen, and boom. Immediately, Verde is on the scoreboard in the 23rd minute. And that's about all that happens for the scoring before half. Um, after halftime, though, a pretty interesting development happens. One of uh, the, the kind of continuing the bad goalkeeping play that we saw, or just the blunders that have been happening um, in the Serie A this week, is uh, the uh, Calgary's goalkeeper, Storali, is driven a straight red for doing something you're not allowed to do in Calcio. And that is, if you're a goalkeeper, you cannot touch the ball with your hands outside the goal box. New he rule gets, this year. New yes. <laughs> um, there was there was much petitioning that was done to make sure that uh, <laughs> it, that, that Buffon couldn't run the length of the field and just throw <laughs> Start it. Start playing handball. Yeah. Um, but then the, the play of the game after that, and I think the play in, of, of all of Syria this week is uh, Ladislav Kreshi. Leaves three calorie defenders just holding Beautiful. their jock straps. Beautiful. Um, he's he's dribbling the first guy, splits the defense, comes through, draws about five calorie players to him. Left foots it right across the face of the goal. A pass so nice and so easy that even a drunken toddler could score. Um, in this case, that drunken toddler was Federico Di Francesco. Play of the match, Francesco. Basically uh, reacts like Toti did, scoring the PK. Almost rips his shirt off, goes absolutely bananas, and Kreshi just blew on his fingernails and dusted him off on his shoulder. Um, but As he should. Yeah, just just dirt nasty. Um, but Calgary wouldn't be shut out, and you know the, the the scoring of this game really can't compel or or display that you know the effort they put in. In the 83rd minute, Bruno Alves, um, he, you know, he comes in, basically shows why some have referred to him as El Macho Baracho, the winningest cockfighter in all of Portugal, <laughs> um, and he has a free uh, free kick, you know, about 35 yards out, and he gets about a 10-yard sprinting running start and just tattoos this ball, upper 90, left corner, you know, I, I very rarely admit it. But he earned his samurai haircut on that one. <laughs> yeah, you know. But Calgary, despite being down ten men, you know, showed they wouldn't go you know quietly into that good night. Uh, once again, 
you know, they're led by the poise and aggression of, of a couple of their aging international stars being Bruno Alves um, and Borriello. Borriello had several chances. He's definitely playing with some conviction this year. And Isla, the other uh, uh, Port- sorry, the Chilean international, only 28 years old, just really has been making a nuisance of himself, playing with a huge chip on his shoulder. But to be saying about Bologna, again, this is another Italian side that's you know, really exciting and breaking the mold. Um, they're talented. They're exciting. They pound the net like Royale with cheese. Like quarter pounder. Get like it? it. I like right, it. Right. Classic. They, they have six points so far. Um, now they have, you know, two of this, all of their six points come from beating, you know, newly promoted teams. And if you remember, um, they are the team that took the 5-1 Kulo blasting from Torino last week in a game that I thought was going to be far more competitive. And actually, Bologna didn't play all that bad in that game. They were exciting and had moments of brilliance. Um, however, you know, Calgary's a scrappy team, and, and Bologna gave them all they could handle. I guess we'll get a clearer picture of who Bologna actually is when they play Napoli next week. Napoli riding, you know, Chevy riding high on that 3-0 victory they just put up. Um, it should be an interesting, um, an interesting matchup, and dare I say it, a, a game of the week candidate. All right, looking forward to it. And Calgary will be taking on Atalanta next week. I really like to see Calgary get going. They had a great showing against a bad Roma side the week before. You know, maybe they can they can steal a point in that game. Up next, crumble croutons, crumble. Mighty Crotone lose against Empoli and remain in the basement of Serie A. Final score, Empoli 2, Crotone 1. Don't let this matchup fool you. Chris Ross had to put his clothes back on before he came and discussed this game with us today. Certainly pulling, uh, I just love the Crotone story. And so, Empoli, everyone's favorite team. Every, yeah. But hey, we got something positive for Empoli this, this week, so, so good news. So to the goals. 31st minute, Giuseppe Belushi translates to Joe Belushi, so he's probably the forgotten Italian blues brother with John and Jim. Joey B rises, I was saying to the guys before we started recording, just comically high on how high he gets off the ground for a corner. And, and the corner comes in from the, the far right side. Man's got bunnies. He, he heads the ball to ground and bounces up in, into, the, into the net, and we're up uh, one nothing for the Azuri from Tuscany. Um, the croutons are not going down without a fight, though. Their, their first half, extra time. Nice and easy, Samparisi nets a header on the six-yard line. <laughs> Marcus Roden uh, fakes out everybody by faking out a curler. Uh, he's, like, just inside the box, and, he, and it looks like he's going to go to the far corner. But instead, he kind of chips it, and, and Samparisi's right there to head it in, and we're level at half. Not a great goal, but... But it got the job done, and it's it was, fun to say nice was, and easy, Samper Easy. It was nice and easy. Nice and easy, was. yeah. And another button went down Chris Ross's shirt. <laughs> Off to the second half, and the Esquali, or the Sharks, for Crotone. I'm, seriously, do we have enough nicknames for these guys? Um, but it plays well. Are they, They're getting hungry. Paladino misses a screamer from eight yards out, and it goes... To the far left, he's on the far left, and he pushes it just wide of the net. And we go to the 56th minute, and Empoli has a free kick just outside the box, and uh, we're going to the left goal. Empoli's Pasquale lofts a laser cross to the near left, and Andrea Costa heads it in on home about at the three. So it does seem to be the theme this week for just keepers in Serie A. You're inside the six, and you're letting goals in. Um, Definitely one that the keeper should have gotten. 
a legit cross, but but the keeper should have got it. And that's the game. It's 2-1 Empoli. Empoli's Macaroni also had a great game himself, just all over Crotone's side of the field. Great contributions. Um, good game. Sorry for the Croutons not pulling through. Still don't have a point this year, but congrats to Empoli, who who are now out, out of the basement. So happy for him. And just like that, Empoli pulls into a tie with Sassuolo, Milan, Atalanta, <laughs> Fiorentina, and Torino in Serie A. So put away those Smiths records, uh, Empoli fans. Take off uh, uh, the, the Sinead O'Connor music. You guys are for real. <laughs> Empoli is obviously going to be fighting you know, to stay out of the relegation zone. So these are the games that they must win. Um, good result for them. Congratulations, Alberto Gilardino on his 500th Serie A game. And finally, Genoa versus Fiorentina. This one's going to be a quick one. We got a postponement. Marco? Yeah, like you mentioned earlier, torrential rainfall all throughout Italy this week. Uh, they played about 28 minutes. And it's a good thing, I think, for Fiorentina that this thing got postponed. They got to regroup because it looked like another one of those uh, bad Fiorentina displays. I think they're still in a little bit of a rut right now, uh, and they need to get out of it. This game is going to probably be played in November, December time frame. Uh, you know, hopefully by then they'll uh, they'll have everything sorted out, and they do have Europa League to worry about as well. Hopefully they're still in a funk though next Sunday because they play Roma. That's right. They got. Have you guys seen their red jerseys? Their alternates? Nah. Not. If, I was talking about their purple ones. Big fans of the purple jerseys. The red ones are not. Not nice. Well, they. I guess they have another week then now to get Andrea Pirlo's shoes and come back <laughs> and be looking fresh. Yeah, fixed fashion week, Andrea Pirlo. All right, guys. We also have champions in Europa League this week. Marco, are you going to tell us about what games uh, have Italian teams in them? So, Napoli's playing on Tuesday against FC. Dinamo Kiev, they're going to be playing in Ukraine. Should be uh, a win for Napoli. Their group is looking pretty solid. They have Benfica and Besiktas in there as well. But they should really be looking to top that group. Hopefully they get off to a away win uh, against Dinamo Kiev on Tuesday. Juventus plays the group game of the, uh, well, let's just say the game of the group on Wednesday against Sevilla. Europa League champions from last year. That's right. And they have Dinamo, Zagreb, and Lyon in their group. So, again, these are the top two teams of Group H playing against each other. Winner of this game is going to have a good head start on the other one. Uh, then Europa League action on Thursday. Roma will be playing against uh, Victoria Pliezen. That's how Close I'm, yes. I'm going to say it. Just like that guy from the other team from Rome, whatever his name is. Sassuolo is going to be playing against Athletic Bilbao. That should be a very fun game to watch. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Bilbao is my favorite Spanish team. PAOK is going to be playing against Fiorentina. Inter is going to play against Hapoel Beersheba. So if you need to work on your phonetics, I would go into the Europa <laughs> League and just try to uh, say all the team names. Or you can just say them like Marco did in an Italian yeah, accent. Italian accent. <laughs> I would just say, I just want to say that, you know, we, ha- we haven't touched upon it that much yet, but I think that Napoli and Juve are in a good place right now, at least with the Champions League draws. We'll see. Sometimes it's hard to play the, the lesser teams against the harder teams in these kind of tournaments because the onus is always on you. And 
I also think that Roma, Sassuolo, and Fiorentina and Inter should be looking to push forward. I know next season uh, Italy's going to get all four spots anyways, but this is a good there's a good opportunity right now for Italy to kind of come back up in, in Euro. All right, guys, that'll wrap, wrap up week three for us. Well done. Uh, for our listeners, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, like us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Please rate us. Uh, we're, we're trying to get our name out there. Um, until then, or even dare change. Ciao. Ciao.